Welcome to the Conquering Misdirection Podcast, where we sit down and have a conversation with the blind. As a visually impaired person myself, I look forward to listening to the different stories and experiences from the visually impaired and blind community. Through each episode, I hope that this podcast can unveil some of the realities of living with a disability and hopefully change the perception that comes with being blind and visually impaired. Hey, Sal, how are you doing today? Hey, how's it going, Jesse, man? I'm good. Um, well, today, uh, just something on top of my head, I guess. Uh, we're going to prepare for a party right before I go uh, to college. But not those parties that you see in uh, Florida, you know, those boat parties. Oh, those FSU getting... parties. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy. I have a buddy that goes to FSU, and he told me some stories, and it's pretty nuts over there. Yeah, it's I don't recommend you doing that or anybody doing that because (laughs) you you get Corona real quick and that's not something I recommend or I condone. (laughs) No, man. Uh, Yeah. So my two brothers are, and my mom are helping out cleaning the house and stuff because my cousins and my two cousins are coming over and yeah, it's going to be cool thing uh, right before I go to college. And, you know, I get to enjoy all the Asian food before I go and once I you figured, get what, what country you're from man oh I'm from here uh, I was born in uh Texas I got you but, but you're, like your your family what, what country are they from oh they're from Hong Kong and Hong Kong's okay, crazy that... Hong Kong's crazy right now <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like a can of sardines yeah yeah I don't want to open it but if you want to like I can talk a lot about it but it's a it's a really interesting topic in terms of like democracy and people fighting and like yeah 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 no it's creating destruction everywhere i have a friend in cali who's also from i think he's from china but i don't remember specifically what city and he's mm-hmm. like no man it, you, you, whatever you see on the news is just like a tip of the iceberg once you get in there oh, yeah. it's, some other, it, it, it's some next level of stuff real quick yeah like once you get into those hong kong reddits it gets crazy <laughs> like they post I everything should take a look at those I should t- just you know just to learn it doesn't hurt to learn about other people because sometimes what I notice is that people think they have it worse I mean really bad but then if you look at other countries or other just people around you it's no yeah. they have it way worse man oh yeah so you know when uh in the U.S. I think was it one month ago with George Floyd and all the protests and stuff yeah everybody was like oh my god protest it's crazy out there fire and I <laughs> me sitting in my house and watching that on TV, I was like, I'm already desensitized. Desensitized to it because yeah, I'm pretty sure exactly. you've seen it already. So. Yeah, one year before with Hong Kong, like throwing gas bombs and like lighting up colleges on fire. I was like, that's you know. Crazy, <laughs> that's 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 something else. I mean like. What college are you going to? Oh, uh, I'm going to Texas Tech. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so Texas Tech is kind of interesting because it's not quite like ut austin but no it's it's a different culture it's also a party school but it's pretty what are you studying yeah. like, like engineering or something like that uh close uh, i'm studying architect studying architecture okay so you're like okay lots of math right there man lots of math right there uh i wouldn't say that it's more like dealing with computer programs that's like my genuine concern because uh it's really visual so yeah uh, right now what i'm thinking of helping me you know, go through all those programs and stuff is there are certain commands that you can do or uh, kind of like coding, you know? Yes. So yeah, I had I to learn that. all of that and say like, 
slash line to create a line slash square, <laughs> you right, know? Make it square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not that, not as fun as, you know, going to like certain, like, you know, those two bar, two bars that you have, I, I don't know, like Microsoft Word or like yes. Google Docs. You can just click it and then you can form a line. You click another thing, you can form a square real quick. Yeah. And like, I don't get that luxury i don't feel no like. neither do well, I. I i'm totally blind also so it's it's yeah it's different and, and see for me those lines and stuff will come in really i i coach youth footballs so when it comes to drawing plays and stuff i can't do it on a computer like most other people i have to do it on paper and then just teach it like that oh well do you mind like uh telling our audience more about uh who you are and uh what's the, your level of disability yeah, sure. So we can start off by that, and then we'll we'll talk about tabs and all that other stuff. So yeah, my name is Sal. Well, everybody knows me by Sal. My real name, well, my actual true name is Salvador Villa. I am predominantly his. I'm I'm actually Mexican. I was born in Mexico, then I mm-hmm. moved to the U.S. when I was three, and I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley. So at the very southern tip of Texas, um, I grew up about maybe 15 minutes away from Mexico in a town called McAllen. And I lived there all my life until high school. Once I graduated from high school, I attended the Louisiana Center for the Blind, which we can talk about in a bit also. Oh, it's that's a, an awesome facility. It's a wonderful place. And it's ran or it's, it's sponsored and ran by the National Federation of the Blind and its yeah. philosophy. So I went there after high school um, before I wanted to, before, I, I, I felt, so I joined the, the National Federation of the Blind when I was 15. And that's when I started meeting graduates of, of blindness training centers so while you know my classmates in my junior and senior year were looking at colleges and then taking acts and sats and scholarships i was planning how i was going to go to you know the louisiana center for the blind and mm-hmm. so i went there i was there for 10 months and now i i graduated actually two years ago from there i graduated august 6 of 2018 so two years from two days ago i graduated time flight it's kind of crazy but um it's awesome yeah so i finished my training there i moved back home for about three weeks just to kind of plan out what i was going to be what i wanted to do with my life um more directly i already had an idea it was just kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty right of step one step two step three and ut austin has always been my dream school since i was a kid so that was always the idea um really good school man i always look you know dreamed of just you know burnt orange and the longhorns and the tradition and stuff so when i graduated lcb it became more of a reality instead of just a dream right because i knew i had the skills and the you know the potential to go there so it was a matter of it became a matter of when or how to when right so i was home i planned out my move to austin i remember i I booked a one-way flight two suitcases a backpack and just my cane and um, I met some great friends from the Federation that allowed me to, to you know, get my, 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 my feet going here in Austin. And now I'm currently a student at Austin Community College, but I should be transferring awesome. to, you know, the University of Texas in about a year if everything goes as planned. Um, I work at a part-time with the Boys and Girls Club here in Austin. And wow. my main job is, at my particular site is coaching sports, so football, basketball, and soccer. Are my main ones of course now with covid that's kind of out the window so i've been working with middle schoolers uh, the last couple in the last couple of months and it's just been really interesting man lots of life lessons i've learned the last couple of years um, yeah. but that that's pretty much me in a nutshell uh 
let's go on a tangent real quick. You know, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson bought the XFL. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yes, I think that was <laughs> I think that was a very interesting choice. I know, I was watching. I think it was the Pat McAfee. Um, Pat McAfee. Show. Oh, I love that guy. <laughs> He's awesome. Dude. He I went. Love- I saw his reaction and it or. I remember my buddy from FSU sent it over. It was a video, and it was a really mm-hmm. smart choice because if you look at The Rock, his net worth is, you know, like half a billion dollars or who knows what. Like that dude is like a mega star in Hollywood, right? So, oh yeah, fifteen million for him just for a, maybe a a rinky dink football franchise that is barely starting. If it, you know, the the ceiling is so high, especially now because oh, yeah. they don't have thirty two teams like the NFL does. They could easily do what the NBA does and put them on a bubble, use two stadiums tops to do their season, and they can get all the ratings and all this stuff from the NFL or a good chunk, you know, and then just build off of that. But if it doesn't go well, then it's just 15 mil that his business oh, yeah. partners lost. It's not that bad of a deal. I think it was a really smart call from what he did. Yeah. I mean, like, in addition to paying 15 million for the rights of the XFL to Vince McMahon, he had to pay off like some of the debt, and that's like their next step. But yeah. I just searched out, and then according to Fan Buzz, uh, The Rock's net worth is valued at three hundred twenty million dollars. See, so like, you know he could totally double that, or maybe like oh yeah, five percent more with just this purchase if it really takes off. Because if he really wants to make it into a like a bubble scenario like the NBA and just run a, yeah. like a short football season like the MLB is doing, it, it could really take off for that guy, man. And it, I I just feel like the excess. XFL is such an interesting league because it's kind of like the minor leagues of football where you get more development and then it's kind of like college football too but like an alternative option for high school students who don't want to you know go to class for biology or like chemistry and then in addition to studying in school you have to play football and you don't get paid yeah so yeah well, see, I, I, when it first came out, I didn't really look too much into it because I, I, I mean, a lot of, I'm, I'm assuming you grew up watching WWE also when I was a kid. I remember when it first took off, it was just a fail. Mm-hmm. So I was very hesitant to, you know, watch and actually pay attention to it. But when yeah. I was actually this summer, I've been focusing a lot of, a lot of my time on, you know, different football schemes and strategies um, just for upcoming seasons because I do plan to coach football. Um, as a career so I saw you know what offenses and defenses uh, the XFL mm-hmm. teams are running and it's pretty it's pretty neat stuff man like you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't knock on them they just they're doing it a different way and it, they're just not yeah. up there like the NFL but they're very cool they very well could be you know it's really uh, a word I would put it it's like innovative in their rules and a lot of rules they have is I've heard from you know some of my friends they said that it's more uh innovative because it's you know keeping the game more fast-paced or you know more action-packed yes and actually one of the main offenses that i've seen on their on their teams is what they call the the air raid offense which is more focused on short passes or just quick passes through the middle yeah, Kyler Murray. Yeah, there you go. Kyler, Kyler Murray kind of stuff where they have, you know, a two by two stack of receivers, a one one running back, maybe one to no tight ends. It's just very, you know, spread out, very up tempo. I know their O line has larger splits to make more gaps for the run game, um, yeah. and they just keep it. It's really, it's a really fast paced type of offense. I really like their their concepts and stuff. 
So who's the coach of the Cardinals again? It's uh, Cliff uh, Kingsbury. Oh, yeah. Have you seen his uh, draft? When he was doing the draft, his house was just insane. Was it? I, I, oh, yeah. So uh, there was a whole thing. I don't know. It was trending on the internet. Uh-huh. Uh, when he was putting in his pick or something, like the cameras and went to his house. And his house was just like him in a huge office room. Like his house, like right. just his office room was huge. huge. And he had a huge desk. And everything, I think, was white or, like, kind of marble. Ooh, and it was, really? like, even more impressive than Jerry Jones' yacht that he was on. Yeah, yeah, he... yeah. Jerry Jones was trying to flex. I was like, man, no. Oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, I'm totally blind. I was born premature at seven months. Um, I have retinopathy of uh-huh. prematurity. So I'm totally blind on my right eye and my left eye. I have some light and shadow perception. When you say you're born premature, my little brother was also born premature, but like, I think it was like a couple of weeks. But what's it like? Like, how how long does a baby, you know, from being conceived to being born? What's that time? It's nine months. Like, so I was born months. two months before I was. I was supposed to be born. Yeah, I was born two months before, or two months so early. You, you had to be in an incubator and yeah. anything like that. Mm-hmm. I was in an incubator. And that's when, at first, it's interesting because at first, they, they were, you know, the doctors in Mexico were not able to tell my mom I was blind. They thought I had, you know, some other other disabilities because they mm-hmm. never saw my eye move or my eyes open up and they were not able to identify mm-hmm. it. Um, so she went to different doctors in Mexico, like all over Mexico, and they finally told her, no, you need to go to Houston and, and, and see what they tell you over there. Yeah, Houston's pretty good for medical. I love things. Houston, man. There's so much good food in Houston. <laughs> There's amazing food in Houston. Any cuisine you want, Houston has it, man. Really? Yeah, I uh, remember I usually go. Um, I don't go to Houston a lot, but I have some friends of mine that are from, um, you know, pa- from Pakistan and uh, Iran and that kind of stuff, and they find you know some their food over there in Houston is really authentic super good stuff yeah i i would say houston is pretty diverse like in terms of diversity it's uh one of the more diverse cities in in the united states i would say dallas too dallas is I've, getting there ish yeah i mean i don't i get, would say yeah. i mean some people would even say austin is becoming like a melting pot because austin is just oh, yeah. everywhere man i've been here for two years and it's changed so uh-huh. much already is the traffic getting worse down there? A little bit, yeah. I mean, they're trying to implement this whole metro rail system with, like, trains going down, kind of wow. like Dallas has, but it's still in the works, mm-hmm. and then COVID came along. So that kind of put a stop to it for now. It would be really nice, though, because they would just make everything so much faster. But the thing is that something that I've noticed with Austin and their public transportation policies and plans is that they mean well and the way it's planned as well, but they don't really – go all in it's like they'll do like a temporary uh-huh. solution and then something else comes along the way and they fix it they don't they never do like a full time this is going to work for the next 40 to 50 years type plan you know it's kind of like in my when, opinion i mean i could be wrong you never that's the yeah. way i see it is like that i mean you could get somebody else from over here and they could be like no our plan works for 40 to 50 years but in my <laughs> opinion it's just a temporary fix it's kind of like when people fix the the road, like, you know, patch certain parts of it after yeah. they build it. And yeah, that's the feeling I get from that. And I feel like why Austin right now is kind of interesting is because 
you know, coronavirus has made California and like LA specifically and New York City really not appealing now. No, it's not. Austin kind of puts them to shame, even though it's smaller, but a lot of people yeah. are moving down here, man. Lots yeah, lots so, yeah, exactly. So people moving there. So like, for example, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, or I don't even know when was it, but Elon Musk was like, I'm moving my headquarters He to is, Austin. man. He's bringing a Cybertruck factory over here. Yeah, he's bringing, a, and then Apple's building a new campus here too. Honestly, dude, oh, Austin is gonna be the next San Francisco or something. The way it's going, it's gonna be like the next San Fran, and the next. Yeah, it, it, because like there's that. no state tax, right? And yeah, and, and like already, like Elon Musk has a a a, a SpaceX kind of factory thing for his, uh, what's it called? His the, 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 yeah, the satellites and stuff. In Chickawa, Texas, man. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Elon's everywhere, so, man. Yeah. He, like, bringing his whole factory to Austin, like, a lot of people is going to be moving there, and then I bet the traffic's going to get worse. Oh, it's, like, it's exactly... <laughs> yeah, like, when Toyota brought their headquarters, one of their headquarters to Dallas mm-hmm. or Frisco, I believe. Yeah. The, the traffic became like immediately it became worse like i'm sure I, it was like all the californians came coming here and like it's gonna be the traffic. same thing over here man and he already has there's some teslas out of here i i mean i live on the north um north central part of austin maybe like northwestish and there's not that many teslas but when you go towards the domain which is like this nice outdoor mall there's a couple there he has like i think maybe I know he has one dealership for sure. He might have two, but I think I know he has one for sure. But when he brings his whole factory, he's gonna bring like his own people, and yeah, it's gonna be very different to watch. Yeah, that was a huge tangent. It's all good. Put us on huge tangent, but uh, you mentioned like oh, you really like football, coaching sports, and stuff. So, what exactly are you? planning to major in university right so my major right now is kinesiology and health education that's what my degree will be on the actual major is physical culture and sports at at ut and Mm -hmm. what it does it takes like um it takes a look at sports and strength and conditioning and along with fitness from a psychological level and it's kind of like a merge of take you know seeing how it affects both psychologically and physically right um because you do take some classes on basic anatomy, basic kinesiology, uh, injury prevention, and then you take a look at how it affects the brain and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really interesting. That's for my undergrad. For my, I do plan to go to grad school after and go to Louisiana Tech, which is also in Ruston, the same town where the Louisiana Center for the Blind is, and you know receive my master's in counseling and guidance with an emphasis in orientation and mobility to teach orientation and mobility to other blind people. Um, so I guess my career can, my, can go both ways either, or two ways. I can either teach cane travel or, or coach football, um, wherever I'm, I'm, I'm open to both. I like doing both. It's just wherever I'm needed and where I'm wanted is where I'll go, you know? Yeah. So I'm really interested when you talk about coaching football, uh, obviously I've never done it before. (laughs) Right. Uh, I've never really gotten into football, but like recently I've been like watching a lot of YouTube videos about how, uh, certain coaches like NFL coaches, like how good their schemes are. Like for Mm -hmm. example, like Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. From the 49ers and how he uses George Kittle and his run game. 
his zone run game was insane. Also with Lamar Jackson and his uh, uh, the thing that they kind of implemented, I think a couple years ago with uh, what's his name, George uh, Kaepernick. Yeah, Colin Kaepernick. He was also yeah he was also running a running quarterback. Yeah, the the dual threats like Russell Wilson. Yeah, once you have someone like that behind the O line, you're pretty much you have endless possibilities of how to do so. Yeah, so uh, I guess my question is, or my curiosity centers more around, how do you coach uh, a team? Right, a okay. A football team. So right now I'm working with fourth and fifth graders, and it's about, it's seven on seven football, so, you know, there's no contact. It's seven on seven flag football uh, because, it, you know, it's we're boys and girls club, and, you know, we have to be safe with the kids, and I'm, I'm all about that. I believe that if, if a kid's going to play tackle football, he should be at least 12. I'm not for for kids wearing pads and playing tackle football when they're seven because it, it gets to you, man. It, it really does. So I'm glad that they can still play the sport, but they can be safe and, and healthy about it too. So for me, it's it takes a lot of knowing – you know, the nitty gritty about what I want to teach. You know, I like to run like a, I guess it's like a combination. It has, it's seven on seven. So I kind of like to run, it's definitely a spread offense, but it's like a, mm-hmm. you know, there's some run and shoot concepts where, you know, you use your running back a little bit more, but then there's some more, there's some everybody concepts in there where you use your receivers a lot more to get in the middle of the field. Um, so it's a lot, for me, it takes a lot of time yeah well it takes anybody a lot of time right so I, but i have to do a lot of research and really know how it's supposed to be how it is supposed to look when you run a certain route when you run a certain concepts like like let's say for example um we're gonna run there's this concept uh, i saw it online it's called lion right and in lion uh-huh. pretty much you're you have a you can have a you can have it on the right or the left right but you have two receivers on that side depending on where you want that 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 scheme ran and both receivers run a slant right to get those corners in the inside and open that um that space on that outside corner for maybe somebody uh, maybe a running back or maybe you can have a, a third receiver on that side run like a corner a corner route so you go deeper and you go the opposite way at the same angle to get that corner to bail and you leave that safety alone right with those two receivers so it takes a lot for me to know how it's ran properly, the footwork, how many steps that route yeah. is supposed to take, the call, how to call it properly, what the rest of the team does. And for k- these kids, it takes um, a lot of communication. They have to first know that they can trust me and they can see past the blindness, right? And at first it was very yeah. difficult. That that was wait, how do you wanna how do you wanna coach if you can't see? So, you know, you start talking about how what you what you want to do and what you plan to do and just selling it to them and for me it, it what won them over was running the place with them as well because the, oh. the the best way i see it or that it has worked for me is if i run the routes with them and the way i want them to be ran they will know how i want them to be executed because if i tell them hey just run that slant yeah. you know it's not going to be i could be picturing when i could be picturing him taking like a that wide step release where you take one step out to the outside to kind of get that corner off his feet and then, you know, go back towards the inside. Yeah. Restack them. 
but he might just run into a fade and then make that cut. But I have to make sure he knows, hey, take that one step to the outside and make sure that corner turns his feet or starts shuffling to the outside of the field. And then you take off running a mm -hmm. vertical route, but you make sure you snap down really quick on your hips and just pivot on that, um, that inside of your foot towards the middle of the field. So I have to explain it the way I just explained it to you, but also yeah. do it do so it. they can see it, yeah. right? Yeah, so like teaching people is obviously a, a skill. Uh, I think there are obviously people who are amazing at just teaching people right off the bat, but I feel like you, everybody can be teachers at some point, I guess, as long as you practice it. And yeah. I feel like how you just explain me that concept, like obviously it's it's going to take practice to you know do it well and then i just understood what you said so if i were to do the exact same thing i don't know if i would be able to do that but it takes practice though i mean when yeah. we were we were barely getting ready for our season we finished in third place we had a really good run um mm -hmm. it was a lot of consistency you know a lot even a lot of coaches in college and pros and high school tell you to just keep replace simple and just run them over and you can keep them consistent because there's no point in running all this complex stuff and having them counter and do all these like, you know, hit, you know, these little toss to the right and come have somebody come back in motion across and all that other meds. It's, there's no point in looking flashy and then having the ball dropped. You're not going to get anywhere. But if you keep it really simple in a way they can understand and they know they can do it right and just build that confidence in them that they can run those yeah. routes properly and know what they're supposed to look for. That's how it is, man. We used to have really good practices, about maybe 30 to 45 an hour practices long. But there would be days where we would just work on the same two plays over and over because it had to be as close to perfect as possible. And that goes for defense as well. You know, making mm -hmm. sure that if I say Oki, that means I'm going to have three people up front and then four people in the back, you know, because we're seven on seven. So if I say yeah. Oki, they're, you know, they need to know that, okay, cool. So we have somebody guarding the running back up front. The other two quote-unquote linemen, but in this case, they're kind of like corners in a way, are guarding the slot receivers. And then the guys in the back are just looking for, you know, looking at the quarterback and see what he's going to do. So maybe one needs to backpedal, two needs to go, or maybe two need to go further off into the field. And then the two guys on the outside watch the outside receivers on each side, you know. But it's mm -hmm. making sure that they know those fundamentals. Fundamentals are key. Uh, for more context, the the people that you're coaching are they around twelve to seventeen or like what's the they're age ten to twelve. Okay, okay. So they're still young. They're they're pretty. Young. Okay, yeah. It's because like I've seen some videos online where to there would be like a a kid that's out of place playing with like ten and twelve year olds, mm -hmm. and he would be like I don't know like five three in a sea of like four or five little children yeah and then he would be like bulldozing everybody yeah no and it's happened i remember my my tallest receiver and he was also one of my safety he's he's a really good kid man that that kid has a lot of talent he was tall he was a tall he was taller than most most of of the people we played against and the people on our team he was i'm five eight right so and he was up to my nose so he, he was about five three tops five two like he said and everybody else yeah. was a little bit shorter. My running back was super small, man. My running back was really small, but he he had quick feet and he was able to make it work. Um, but yes, I can do see where I can see where that that height advantage um, might raise questions. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what I really want to talk about is it, it's tabs. So yeah, for people who don't know what tabs stand for, it's 
I think Texas Association for Blind. So Sal here is the president, I believe, for uh, TABS. And so can you explain more to our listener what TABS is? Sure. So I'll start off with the a little bit of history, right? TABS, the you know, the Texas Association of Blind Students is a division of the National Federation of the Blind of Texas, which is an affiliate of the National Federation of the Blind, right? Mm-hmm. So everything is overseen by the National Federation of the Blind, which is it's an organization that promotes equality in the workplace, education, and society for all blind people, right? We believe that blindness is, is a mere characteristic of who you are and not who you are, right? And with the right training and the right tools and opportunities, a blind person can be just as successful as their peers, wherever they are, right? So this, the National Federation of the Blind was founded in 1940 and it has affiliates in all, I believe, yeah, I believe all 48 states, including Puerto Rico. Um, mm-hmm. And the Texas affiliate is the National Federation of the Blind of Texas. So the most states have their own student division, but also then at the national level, there's a National Association of Blind Students. And just from the from the TABS perspective, we focus on being a resource for students. Um, we are a division ran by students, and so is the National Federation of the Blind. It's it's ran by its own members that happen mm-hmm. to be that that are blind. You know, uh, mm-hmm. our leadership is blind. Uh, same thing for TABS and the Texas affiliate. The leadership is is blind because we believe in our philosophy. So, our philosophy says that we can live the life you want. It shouldn't matter that you're blind or not to do what you need to get done. So, you know, our membership and leadership have a direct say-so in how we go about our business. And the student division here in Texas will serve as a resource for students to network with each other, um, share ideas, and also be here to answer questions. I know Texas is a really big state and something I'm working on as president with my board is making sure that people know about the student division here in Texas, um, because there's a lot of blind students in the state. So, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of blind students that either are new to blindness or they've been in blind, you know, they've been blind all their life, but they have questions or they don't know how to go about certain issues. And that's what we're here for. You know, we have our annual state convention with the National Federation of Blind of Texas. So that's where about maybe 300 blind people from across the street come over. The student division has our their annual business meeting. And we have different presenters from resources like Bookshare. And, you know, we have our officer election. Yeah. We talk about mm-hmm. a little bit about what the, the organization has done the last year. Um, we also have our student summit, which is a seminar focused on students where we have different resources and different presentations on how students can can be more successful in school or work, you know, because a lot of college kids work. Um, We were gonna have a really nice one in Houston actually. Yeah, I heard about that. In March or April, I don't remember. It was looking really good, Um, but you know, COVID came around and and we have to postpone it to next year, but we were gonna have a lot of different presentations from how to write resumes properly, how to apply for jobs, how to communicate with your professors about 
you know, how to go, uh, your accommodations, how to know what accommodations you need, you know, different, different presentations that, you know, to us or to most people seem like common sense, but it's really not, man. Everybody's different and everybody learns different. So we, we host seminars like this to, to allow people to come by and, and, and learn from each other. That's all. I'm all about that. I'm all about learning from other people and people learning from me. And I'm really happy that we have our state convention and our our student summit for you know for that to happen among students. Yeah, like having these resources is obviously a really good opportunity or just being a resource for blind students in general. Because for me personally, I when I first uh, so I became blind in eleventh grade. Okay. So I didn't really know about all the resources when I was um, when my eyes were degenerating like during 11th grade and Mm -hmm. everything was weird and I had to like do college stuff like you know write all my college essays and do my SATs yeah so it it was that was the year junior year is stressful on it oh man I I did not like junior year oh my god junior year it's supposed to be the most integral part of your uh, high, high school, school career. career yeah and like you, you're gonna take your psats and i remember taking my psat my my that was the first time i noticed something was wrong with my eyesight okay. because it like everything was cloudy that day like whoa not the weather but my eyesight it was like the lights were too bright and then everything looked whitewashed Wow. And then I knew like something was wrong, but I thought I was just tired that day and then right. it would just go right, go away, but it didn't really happen. So I was taking my PSAT in that condition. So it can affect. That's, it, that sounds horrible, man. Yeah, that sounds. Horrible. Yeah. Imagine you just one day, just something happened and you're like, what is happening? Am well, I just tired? Well, then it, well, yeah. You start freaking out and then forget the test though. There, there goes your test score. Yeah. So I, I would say my my uh, PSAT did suffer a little bit, but you know it it is what it is. And then after that, it, it kind of died down a little bit. Like it didn't like become as bad. I guess it was like stress induced. Yeah. And then uh, it was during November when it got really bad. So Whoa. yeah, that's when those, so that's when those mostly a lot of people take their tests around that time. Yeah. So it was around uh fall that my eyes became bad and having these resources are really important for people like me because you know being blind at a later stage and having these resources to help you go uh you know pursue your careers and so forth and also connecting with other people that's a big one that that's something that's a really big aspect i appreciate of the national federation of blind overall um you have no idea we are our actual membership is around 50 grand 50 yeah 50,000 around the country and you you know it's really nice when you are able to find someone oh yeah that has been where you are at yeah that has been in your shoes before or is going through the same process you are Um, and those relationships are super important in our membership Um, I have plenty of those man and I, I can't tell you how many you know how much I'm thankful to you know, for finding this organization, uh, because if it wasn't for this organization and tabs and the people that brought me in, yeah. I would not have uh, gone to the Louisiana Center or or 
who knows that I wouldn't have the confidence in myself or the tools to do what I do now. So it, it's a really neat organization mm-hmm. if, if you want to learn and, and just come and grow with us. Come back next week for the second part of this conversation.